again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. We're pleased to bring you the message from this week's worship service. For more information about this message, this week's teacher, and to watch or see other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. We are taught this week by lead teacher Randy Pope. Thank you for joining us today. All right, let's pray and let's jump into the teaching. Father in heaven. We are very blessed and very thankful that we can pause like this and ask you to teach us about what you have told us in your word. Would you use me as just a a mouthpiece and a vessel to communicate that truth in appropriate ways? Would you draw our hearts into seeing how lovable your law really is? particularly as we look at this commandment, the fourth commandment. And Lord, I pray that as a result that we're going to fall more in love with you because we see how lovable your word is and know that you stand behind it. Pray for our friends here that are seeking an understanding of you and a relationship with you. May they see even through the beauty, the wisdom of this law, how beautiful and how wise you are as the lawgiver. And may many fall in love with you this day because of it. Thank you for this time. We ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the series is on the Ten Commandments. We're in the fourth of the commandments. And the fourth commandment, actually, we're spending three weeks. It's the only commandment that we're spending more than one week on, but this one, three weeks. That shows how important, at least from my perspective, this teaching is and how much needs to be communicated to make sure that you're understanding it and grasping it. So this is part three of three weeks on the Lord's Day. There are two incredibly important needs that we as people of society need, people of this race. We've got to have it. I want you to remember these two words. They are so important. One is the word rest, and the other is the word perspective. Rest and perspective. I'll suggest to you, you will never really understand the Lord's Day if you don't understand those two words in their meaning as relates to this command. I'm going to suggest to you, if you truly understand these two words, this commandment is going to come alive to you. You're going to see how lovable it is, and you're going to say, wow, I missed that for so long. Now, without those two, rest and perspective, life seems to spin out of control. It really does. Strange things happen to people physically, mentally, morally, when these two are not supplied in abundance. We've got to have rest. We've got to have perspective. To a great degree, so many rooms today of hospitals, mental institutions, prisons, filled with people who just missed those two things. They did not get the rest they needed. They did not get the perspective they needed. And as a result, strange things happen, things that they don't understand. Why is my body acting this way? Why is my mind reacting this way? Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? I don't want to do those things. Why do I do them? Never to understand, had they just captured these two, 
what a difference it would have made. God has given us a divine plan. That plan we're going to look at. But before I look at the text, I had an article that was sent to me just last night late. It's an article out of Time Magazine, November 7th. And so I, uh, actually somebody just told me about it last night. said, did you read? I didn't. And so I looked it up. Every parent, every parent, if not everybody, I suggest you look up that article. I just Googled Time Magazine, November 7th. Here came the front cover, punched on it. Here's the article. Secular article. The title of the article is Anxiety, Depression, and the Modern Adolescent. You talk about sobering, just a a little highlight. At least 30% of girls and 20% of boys have anxiety disorders. They believe that number is way low. Most people are not honest when they're asked in the interviews, surveys. Nearly 30% of all teens said they felt hopeless almost every day for at least two weeks in a row. Researchers got 1.7 million search results for hashtag self-harm in 2014. And in year 2015, it went up to 2.4 million. You'll begin to understand why kids cut themselves. You'll understand why the adolescents of this day are doing the things they're doing and feeling the way they're feeling and acting the way they're acting. It begins to make sense. Let me just quote what they said. It had to hit me after I just preached and said two words. Keep these two words in mind. And I quote, being a teenager is a draining full-time job. It is exhausting. They are continually plugged into something. There is no rest. There was word number one. I kept reading. At no point do you get to remove yourself from it and get perspective. Rest and perspective. It's God's divine plan. He designed it. He knew what we needed. We think we know what we need, and it doesn't include rest and perspective, and therefore things happen. Strange things happen. I'd like for us to read our text, Exodus 28 through 11. This will be our last time to read it, but let's read it one more time. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Now, four teaching points. We've already gone through three of them. We're going to touch the fourth one. But let me, for you that are new, let me give you just a quick summary of where we've come. I would encourage you to podcast. There's a lot, obviously, that I'm not covering again. But I want to bring you up to date. And for you that have been here, the review will be helpful. Maybe you'll get it 
a clean, a clearer picture. Here's number one of the teaching points. God designed us to spend one day a week resting from our labors. One day a week resting from our labors. I use the illustration that I'm going to use much today. It's this whole concept of life as I began to think of it when I was trying to understand the Lord's day. And here's how it came to my mind. I imagine myself in a big, huge room, maybe one this large. And I'm right in the middle of the room and I'm on a treadmill and I have to run on that treadmill and keep going for six days. This room has four walls. It has one window on one wall in a distant place from where I can see. I can see out a little bit. I can see outside, but I can't see it very clearly. This room that I'm in is earth. It's time. It's human life as I know it on earth. And six days, I'm given to the task of getting on that treadmill and go. Go hard. But there is a command by my God that says, look, I know what's best for you, and I'm going to tell you this. You need two things. You need rest and you need perspective. So I'm going to tell you, I want you off of that treadmill for one day. I don't want you to take the plan and twist it and say, I'll take an hour every day. I'll take this every, I'll take a, a, a three days every so on. No, one day out of every seven, that's the way I wired you. I designed you that way. That's what you need. You need the trickle charge. You don't need the jump start. So one day, get off. Now, that's just part of it, though. The reason that you need to get off is so that you can rest and in doing so, you're going to walk over to this window, and you're going to get right up to it, and you're going to stare into eternity. You're going to, going to get an eternal perspective as you stare, and you need to just keep looking because it's going to be accumulative as you stare. The longer you can stare, the more you stare, the better you stare, it's just going to come, and perspective will grow and grow and grow and grow. You just got to have that. That's what's going to keep you sane. That's what's going to keep you out of the hospitals. That's what's going to keep you out of the mental institutions. It's going to keep you out of the prisons. But even not that far, even the discouragement that comes, the depressions that we have, there's so many things. Let me tell you, it goes back to rest and perspective. Please keep those two words in mind. Let's look at number two. Number two, God designed us to spend one day a week remembering the past. And so now we're going to start with past. We'll go to present. And then today we'll look at future. But this is what we said about about remembering the past. What is it we remember? We remember two things. First, we've got to remember that God, He's our creator. That is so important. God is our creator. So what happens? We go to that window and we begin to look out and we see, we see into eternity. We go, wow, look at God. Look at who He is. Look at the vastness. Look at everything out there. Wow. God is amazing. Incredible. I talked about how good it is if you can to take walks, if you cannot, even if you can get outside, or go up to a window in your home, if you can't even get out, whatever. But to be able to, to just say, as I love to say on my walks, I could say to God, God, I just want to go on a little walk with you right now. And as I do, I want you to be there and I just want you to show off. Just show me and kind of let me see a big demonstration and get to see how great our Creator is. You're talking about changing perspective? If not, oh my, it's a, different, it's a different deal. 
All we'll think about is that treadmill and how far I've gone and how much progress against somebody else. How am I doing in this world, the kingdom of self, the kingdom of earth? Everything just seems to, it just becomes enormous. You want to see God as creator. Oh, wow, that puts things in perspective. But it's more than that. It's also seeing God as our redeemer. Last week, we went to Deuteronomy chapter 5, another telling of the Ten Commandments. Same words, you get down to the fourth commandment, and then it changes instead of saying for, because, meaning because creation. And that's what we see in the commandment we read. But if you go, as we did last week, and you look at Deuteronomy, it doesn't say because of God creating, that's why we keep the Lord's day. It's because of his redemption. And we talked about how that teaching takes us right to the blood of Christ. The Lamb of God shed for us where we get our redemption. The whole point is this. Yeah, now we go to this window and we stare out. Why? So that we can get perspective on our redemption. And we talked about if you don't do that, let me tell you, we're going to have wrong thinking about all of life. Our perspective on life is going to be skewed. It's going to be wrong. It'll all be about me and what I'm accomplishing and what I get and how good it is when this happens and how bad when that. I want to avoid that and I've got to fight and work for this more and more and more. That just becomes consumptive. That's what we think life's all about. Oh no, get to the window, start staring out that window and all of a sudden we go, whoa, 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 that, that treadmill is just staying in one place and you're getting no further really when, you, when you're on it. I do that to the honor of God but it's, it's not because what I'm getting by being on it. Wow, new perspective. But let me tell you, it actually changes your perspective on the Christian life. Just don't go to the window. Just stay on the treadmill. Even get off the treadmill and focus on my rest and what I can have resting. And fail to get to the window to see perspective. And guess what happens? Man, we'll still believe as Christians, oh, God is my Savior. Jesus, you saved me. Here's what we'll think, though. Jesus saved me so that he could be my Savior. And as we said last week, no, no, no. He saved us so that we can be his follower, his disciple. Before long, we don't even know it. We're thinking, yeah, he saved us, and I'm glad he saved me, but he saved me in order that I can enjoy life. He did not save us to enjoy life. He saved us so that we can enjoy him. That's what, he's, that's what it's all about. We begin to think, oh, he saved me so I can be happy. No, he didn't. He saved us so that we can be holy people. What a difference in perspective. See, if we don't keep all that perspective as by seeing him as our redeemer and all he's done for us, next thing you know, we're really disappointed with God. Now, why did God let this happen to me? Oh, look at this. Look at my little world. That's everything to me. I stay on the treadmill. My treadmill experience is not good. Look what's happening to it. Then we can get angry at God. Next thing you know, we feel like we're the victims. God is the perpetrator we're the victim. We got it all wrong. How do you change that? Well, you get off the treadmill and you get over into the window and you stare. And next thing you know, your perspective comes back and you understand the Christian life. Number three. Number three, God designed us to spend one day a week reevaluating the present. I'll just read the four points and then we go to the fourth. It is a time to reevaluate our spiritual progress and disciplines. Number two, it's a time to reevaluate our family's spiritual progress. 
Number three, it's a time to assess, uh, to assess our effectiveness at work and our motivation for working as we do. Lastly, it's a time to reevaluate our physical and emotional condition. We spoke to those four. They're in your bulletin. You can take those. I suggested a, what I call my PP and P time, pencil, paper, and prayer. And maybe you can get 30 minutes on the Lord's Day, maybe longer. And, and you just hold that maybe in your lap and you take those four and just kind of reevaluate. So you remember God is creator and redeemer. And then you start reevaluating the present. Now we want to go to the fourth. And the fourth this week is this. God designed us to spend one day a week regulating the future. Very important. So we get off the treadmill, we get our rest, we go to the window to get our perspective. And by going to that window now, we're not just seeing God as creator and redeemer. We're not just reevaluating all that I'm doing back here when I'm on the treadmill to bring that eternal perspective. But what I'm doing is I'm getting a glimpse into the future so that it sheds grace on the six days a week that I have on the treadmill. Future? What future? How about the future when we die? I have a, uh, a little portion of my walk, not every time, but most every walk. And I think about these two things for a few minutes. I first think about when I'm going to die. Does that not sound morbid? It's not. I'm a Christian. And I begin to think, you know, I am going to die. And it's interesting, God says in Romans 8, 16, that we ought to be focused on that which is yet to come. In fact, it even says in that verse, it says the suffering of this present world is not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed. And I think, isn't it interesting that Christians today seemingly think only of the glory yet to be revealed when a loved one dies? And for their own comfort, and rightly so, they think about the glory their believing friend or loved one is experiencing, and it brings us great comfort. And then when that pain of a loss begins to minimize, then the thinking of glory goes, no, 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 it's for all. We should be thinking, when is that glory revealed? When Christ comes back. I'm going to be with the Lord. And full glory when he returns, oh my goodness, is that not something we should think about? So I'm walking along and I'm thinking, Lord, I wonder, will I be dead next week at this time? There is a chance I will be. And there's a chance you will be. Why don't we ever recognize that and go, oh, that's as interesting. I'm going to be dead maybe this week. Or maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's 20 years from now. What if it's 20 years from now? And then I think, 20 years? At my age, 20 years, I don't want to be alive any longer. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. I go, you know, 20? Let's see. One, two, three. It doesn't take long to count to 20. Then just take a little time, walk, and say, you know, let me think of something last year. And I think of something a year ago. I said, does that seem that long ago? No. 20 of those. Oh, it's over. Why not, as I'm doing that, I'm looking in the window and I'm going, look at that treadmill. Boy, that's putting that thing in perspective, isn't it? How stupid am I to think that's what it's all about? There are only 20 more laps around this field. Well, what? And then, you know, the other thing I like to think about? I like to think about what's it going to be like? What's it going to be like when I die? 
The Bible doesn't say a lot. It tells us a little bit, and we can presume by interjection that such and such will probably be the case, but then there's another world of wonder, and I like to wonder, what's it going to be like? I wonder if this, I wonder if that. So that when the time that I am called to be with the Lord, that it's not going to be, oh, yeah, there's going to be the stuff you're going to be, but at least there's the glory. There's been some perspective given to it. You know, I used to, from time to time, didn't do it much, but with my kids, we'd go on little outings or little dates or whatever you want to call them, and, and I can remember. I can remember going, where are we going? Oh, you're going to like this. It's going to be fun. What is this, Dad? This is a cemetery. What's a cemetery? It's where dead people are. Their bodies. And then you can go by and you can watch and say, look at the dates. Look how young this person was. Look at it. wonder what that dash included in that between those years. I wonder what the dash was like for that person. And there's a little bit of an eternal perspective that can become, that's what we do. We, we think about the future. We go to the window and we go, ah, let's bring a little perspective about life as it relates to our future, not just our past, not just our present, but even our future. Very important. Here's what I'd like to do now. You have five truths that are in your outlines there. I want to run through them very quickly. We've finished the teaching portion of the series on the Lord's, on the Lord's Day. But I think if we don't put a bow around this by including these five, I think there's going to be a lot of still, mm -mm, didn't quite get it. So follow these carefully. Number one, the Lord's day was not given to be temporary, but permanent. Now, to make it real simple, three basic views that Christians carry about the Lord's day. One is that it has a passing character. We do know that the scriptures do emphasize the Sabbath's fulfillment in Jesus. In fact, Colossians 2, 16 and 17 reads this way. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard for food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Meaning that when Christ comes, now, you know, it, that's what it was all about. But see, there is a, a caution we have to make there because when, when we begin to think that way, I don't think we're thinking fully biblically. And therefore, you know, I want you to hear this third view. Before I give you the third view, I'll use this as an opportunity to say to the Christian community and you that will become Christians in the future that are our guests, let me tell you, please don't choose your opinion, a belief about the Bible based on what you like best. That is so common with the Christian community. I believe this. Well, you know, not all Christians believe that. Yeah, but I like this a lot better. That's not why we choose what we believe. We choose based on what we think the Scriptures most clearly teach. Doesn't mean that I'm accurate, but I'm going to suggest a third view, and that is a blended perspective. The New Testament does reflect a fundamental tension between these two. Number one, present fulfillment and future consummation. Yes, there is a change. That's why we went from Saturday to Sunday, the day of the resurrection. Uh, very important to show that there is a change. Something has happened. But we cannot at all say that now the window is right in our face all the time. It's all done. We got it now. No, no, no. 
We're still in a broken body, a broken world, broken mind. We have to go to that window to gain perspective. But we understand, oh, it's a little different than it used to be. Oh, yeah. I could go into that in great detail. We could spend an entire message on just that. But time doesn't permit. But I would encourage you, think through that. Ultimately, this is what I leave you with on this. Please don't just think, oh, that's one of the Ten Commandments. It's done away with. There are only nine now. That is not true. And very, very, very few Christians would hold that in fullness to say there are nine commandments today. But live as if there are only nine. No. Think through that one, okay? Number two. Let's put up number two. The Lord's Day was not meant to restrict but to liberate. Look at Mark 2, 27. It says, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And so the the. The law was never given. It's a lovable law. It was never given to restrict us. Now, young people, listen to me on this one. Young people tend to see the law because we are immature in our youth. We are more mature in our adulthood. That's the way it's designed to be. So it's acceptable and understandable that that in our immaturity, we're not going to see as clearly as one day we will. And so in our youth, we go, we don't have the experiences to know better. So we go, you know what? This looks fun. This is enjoyable. I would like to do it. I want to do it. Therefore, God says not to do it. God is restrictive. He's not good. He's not fun. He doesn't understand life. Why does he do this to me? He must not want me to be happy. All that begins to play in our mind. We begin to think that way. No, no, no. Imagine this, that you're a kid and you come up and say, oh, wow, look at this cliff. Wow, that is a long, 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 long way down there. Look at the birds. I want to fly. I think it would be fun. I think I'm going to jump, and it will be exciting. And so I'm going to jump. And, boy, there's a rush. There's a thrill. Wow, 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 splat. (laughs) It's no longer fun. You die. Oh, I didn't quite understand. See, that's kind of like that in the commandments. We see these commandments and say, well, I don't get that. I want to jump. And we've had enough experiences, some of us, to know, I know this much, that when you follow God's ways, you find out that there's liberation. Oh, a day and I can't do, you mean I've got to do that and I can't do this on this day and we're not allowed and why can't we do this and I want to do this and what's wrong with that treadmill? There's some good things to get off of it today and I, if I could just get back, that's what I long to do. I want to get back to the treadmill. And God says, you know what? I don't want you in a hospital, a mental institution or a prison. I don't want you discouraged. I don't want you depressed. I don't want you. And the people who say, okay, God, you designed me. Let me get off the treadmill. Let me go to the window. Let me stare. And then you come back with perspective and life and health. Joy. What a difference it makes. He says, I'm doing this because I love you. I've got your very, very, very best in mind. Now, it should be pleasant Parents, don't let this thing for kids be an ugly. It's hard enough as it is. Make it it attractive to your children as much as you can. Beware of petty rules and regulations, but I'll say this. It is hard. With our kids, and and we're in a generation prior to some of you guys now raising your little children, and it's much harder now. Games and practices are on that day, on Sunday, and this, that, and the other. And, you know, this is what I suggest. Here's what we did. I said, kids, I want to tell you a word. It's called arbitrary. I can remember using that word, arbitrary. They don't know what it means. 
but it's just, it's a line. And I have to kind of draw it where I think's the best place. Oh, yeah, but why is it there? If that, why not here? Oh, you can argue that it should be no more this way or that way, but it's arbitrary. I have to have a line, and that line may move as I begin to get better understanding. It may move, but here's the line. And we don't miss our worship with God's people on the Lord's Day for a game, for the ever routine of the week. We don't do that. That's just something we don't do. Now, if it's going to take away from the, from the rhythms of what we do on the Lord's Day that are important with the collection of God's people, the church, then we don't do that. But, you know, in between that, there may be some time. We may be okay. We'll look at that. But I'll encourage you not even to do that. In fact, here's what I'll do. If you'll choose, I'll just give you the option. Either you can go to your practice and this time in the afternoon, whatever. We can still have our Lord's Day, but... I'll give you this much money if you won't do it. Oh, I don't want to go to practice. I like the money. Bribe them if you have to. But the point is, try to make it attractive as you can. You can't make it fully attractive. Number three, the Lord's Day should include corporate worship with the Christian family. It's been said to kill Christianity, kill Sunday, to kill the Christian, teach him isolation. I can't tell you how important it is, parents, that you have conviction and you live your conviction out. You cannot give your convictions to your children, but you can model them. It's their call from that moment forward. But you can at least be able to, to say, hey, we believed it, we lived it. How many people have told me, how many people have said, I'm so disappointed. My children, they were fine. They went to church. Everything was good until they went to college. Now they don't go to church. They rarely go to church at least. And what what, went wrong? Why? Now, I wouldn't say this to anybody, but if I know them closely enough, they're they're good friends and I feel appropriate, I'll say, let me ask you a question. If I know this to be the case, don't you have a lake house? Yeah. Do you go to your lake house on the weekend? Yeah, in good weather, summertime, most every week. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. Did you go to church each week when you were at your lake house? Well, no. I mean, that's, a, that's kind of when we're at our lake house. We're not here. And so, we, no, we don't. I said, do you not understand that they look at you and they say, you have your price, and your price is weekends at the lake house. Their price is not the weekend at the lake house. Their price is sleep in bed on Sunday morning. You like your lake house? I like my sleep. Look. You pick and choose, why can't I? It, it, there's no line. It's kind of, I move it when I want to move it. I say, no, no, no. I think the Lord's Day, it's hard enough to script how to get to that window. Boy, one of the beauties is I've got a morning with child care even and people helping my children get to the window. And I can, how much today is one hour? I go, I go to one time, I'll go to one thing on Sunday and everything else. And we often need, I need to rest. No, we're not. We don't need the rest. We need the rest to get to the window. And let me tell you, corporate worship, it gets you to the window. And how, what a beautiful way to do that. You know, I read one lady who is a, she is a, uh, um, a Jewish lady who kept the Jewish traditions and became a Christian. And she told of her own experience. And she says, I urge you, I urge you to prepare yourself for the coming Sunday with prayer and rest so as to be punctual 
<laughs> and alert at church next morning. She goes on to tell her own experience, which is relatively new, having kept the laws and now seeing the beauty of the Lord's Day. She says, as for me, I'm starting small. I've joined a Bible study that meets Sundays at 5, a, 5 p.m. to book in my days so as to help me into Shabbat. There's not enough time between church and Bible study to pull out my laptop and to start working. So instead, I try to have a leisurely lunch with friends from church. I have forsworn Sunday shopping, a bigger sacrifice than you could ever imagine. And I sometimes join my friend Ginger on our afternoon visits to church shut-ins. And what a great way to think about it. That you just, this is a time where, man, we can, we can take the day and give it to the Lord. My wife, Carol, she tells a story that when she was a young girl, they had a lake house about an hour from where they lived. On weekends, the car would be ready, everything packed. Father would come home and step from one car into the next, and they'd go to the lake house. But every Sunday, early that morning, 7 o'clock in the morning or whenever, they were to be in that car, and they came back to church. They came back to their hometown. They went to church to be with God's people. How important is that? That was so important to me that when Carol and I, for both of us, when we got married, we said, this has got to be a commitment. If it's not, it means nothing. And so here's the line. Let's go to church all week. We got married on Sunday. We worked it where we could go. We stopped in a town to spend the night so we could go to a church in that city to get to where we were going. And, and our first day of, of marriage, we got to go to church and worship together. What a is there a better way to, to spend your first full day of life together than staring out the window together? What a beautiful thing. I hear people, are you kidding me? On your, no, I ain't about my honeymoon. I say, then if you won't then, you'll just pick and choose forever, won't you? You believe it or do you not? Do you want rest? Do you want perspective? I took one of my children to a trip to Japan. They asked me to speak in Japan. One of my kids was young and and they said, uh, I, I, my kids were young enough. I said, I can't. I turned it down because I, I, I just can't right now for kids' reasons. They said, well, look, what if we brought, paid for one of your children to come? I said, will it be a good time? Or will, yeah, we'll make it a great time. They worked me from morning till night and just drug this child around. It was no fun whatsoever. We get well into the week. I said, hey, where's the, where's the fun for my kid to be able to see and experience Japan and all this stuff. I'm just working and he's just listening, sitting there listening to translation. It's boring. What, you know, where, where's that great? Oh, it's coming. It's coming. I said, when's it coming? Sunday, which is a couple days away. Sunday, because you don't fly out till Sunday night. And so we've got Sunday just packed with you seeing all of the sights that we can see in this area of Japan. It's going to be great. I said, well, do we go to church on Sunday there? Well, no, there's no church anywhere near there. In other words, you'd have to stay way over here for church, and, and you know, most of it's not in your language anyway, and so forth. So, you know, you'll have, I said, so you're telling me we got to go to one or the other, not a both and. I said, no, you have to choose one or the other. You can't do that. And I'm just looking at my child like, oh, no, tell me, you're not going to do this. I said, we'll go to church. I don't know what that child thought then. I don't know what they think about it now. I don't know if they remember it. But I'll tell you this, 
I think my child would know that, hey, they, my parents have a conviction. We wrote out our family values, 12 family values. One of them is that daily personal and weekly corporate worship are vital for healthy living. Why? We got to get off the treadmill, got to go to the window. Have I done that perfectly and well all my life? No. But I'm so thankful for what I have learned about doing it. Very important. We go to the window. Not to restrict corporate worship, a great way to be able to spend time at the window. Number four, one's day, one day, one's day of rest should not be exhausting unless because of needs of mercy, piety, or necessity. Uh, my job is a, a, a job of piety. That's not a problem there. Uh, is it draining? Yeah, it can be very draining on, on the Lord's day. But I'll tell you what, it's, it's worth it. You know, to spend your day, find what you can capture of the day. Utilize it. There are reasons that we can't sometimes, but for kids, oh my goodness, parents know this. If you've got little kids, it's going to be exhausting for you every day of your life. There is no exception to that. That is a, that's a call to necessity to parent your children. We understand that. But you can do little things, and the little things such as, okay, what if we as, as husband and wife, we trade off and each gets 35, 45, maybe an hour, minutes, hour, whatever we can get, let's just swap off and, and you go and you stare out the window while I take the kids and then we'll flip it around. What about single parents? Single parents say, yeah, I've got them all day, every day. That's where I think where the Christian community can come together and say, you know what? We'd like to take your child for an hour every Sunday and let you just have a little window time. Don't just use it for just anything, but go to the window with it. We don't get much time. Get to the window as best as possible. Last point. One must follow his or her conscience regarding the use of the Lord's day and must not impose his or her conscience on others. Best way I can say it, and then I'll conclude, best way I can say it is a man Jewett who writes. He says it well. He says, in my own personal habit, I am as strict as most, but in my judgment as before God, I think that many religious characters ministers as well as others are in error. I think that many Judaize, which means they, they just are law-bound, too much, and they would have joined the Pharisees in condemning our Lord on many occasions. I do not think they err in acting up to their own principles. There, they are right. But they err in their own standard as a standard for all others. Again, I say, they may be right, but the others who think and act differently are not therefore wrong. Those who ate and those who refused to eat meat offered to idols were both right if they acted to the Lord, as were those also who observed and those who did not observe certain days, which under the Jewish dispensation were actually prescribed. I'll tell you what I consider the perfect rule. I like this. Let all judge for themselves in relation to the ritual observance of such matters, the strong not despising the weak, and the weak forbearing to sit in judgment on the strong. This will be the safest and best discharge of the duty of all parties, whether to God or man. To God who has said, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. And to man who should be left to stand or fall to his own master. Well said.
end of series. The last time I preached this was 10 years ago. I've, I think three times, best I recall, I, three times I've preached through the Ten Commandments. So three times I've taught on the Lord's Day, over 40 years. And I realize this is my last time. It ain't going to happen again. It won't come back around while I'm still sitting in this place. And I look at this time, and I did the same thing this morning. I look at this time, and I, uh, I have a bad track record in terms of making an impact through this series. I don't know if it'll be the same this year or not. I don't know. I'm going to try to be faithful and preach at it and go for it. But I've watched every other time, and one of my greatest disappointments is just to to just kind of check and see and realize it really made very little difference, at least to a whole church. It just didn't seem to make a dent. People seem to do what they want to do and go where they want to go and have their plan. And, and my prayer is this time, oh, God, don't let it be that this time. Let it be different. My prayer is that one year from now, one year, that there would be a sense in this place that says T-G-I-S. Thank God it's Sunday. I live for Sunday. Sunday is so good. My prayer would be that in 20 years, the kids, maybe they're in Kids Quest, the kids of this church are going to be in adulthood and they're going to say, I saw my parents. Something changed in them, and they delighted in God's day. And I saw the perspective on life. I saw them come to wholeness. I saw something good happen. And I'm telling you, I'm keeping it too because I see what happened in their lives. You young people, you kids that are here, go for it. Don't give up on this commandment. It is God's pathway to health in your life. Grasp it. Cling to it. Fight for it. Don't let it go. My prayer would be at our last breath, whenever that may be, that we might be able to say, I lived for the Lord's day because I live for the Lord. I'll tell you, it'll make a difference. Seeker, see how lovable the law is. There's a loving God behind this lovable law. He's given it to us so that we could be the best of who God's created us to be. Let's fight for it. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we, we're going to ask you that you would take this word and drive it so deeply into our hearts that we would, we would see the beauty of what you have prescribed for us in this day. I pray you would keep us from being judgmental for those that see it a different way. I pray that we would be quick to ask you the question, what does it mean for us to go to the window and get off that treadmill? Lord, give us the peace and freedom when necessity comes and opportunity for piety and mercy to work hard on your Lord's day. 
for your sake. I pray, Father, that we would be a people who find ourselves given, given to run into that window as often as we can, staring as intensely as we can, and gaining perspective to bring us back to say, what a good God. Thanks for your redemption. Glad that you're my Father. Would you please allow something really special to happen in this place because we have dug into your word on this important topic and we'll give you all the thanks for the health that comes from it and we pray you get much honor we ask it in Jesus name Amen You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.